We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Recapping the conference championships on Rotoviz Overtime. That's what we're doing today as we look ahead to the Super Bowl through the lens of the two contests that brought us to this point. We obviously have the Lions versus the 49ers, the Chiefs versus the Ravens. Lots of different talking points from both games, but we are ready to, to run through them here, Sean. We are sitting late January already. The next thing will be the, the NFL draft once we get through the Super Bowl coming up here. But I know this was one that you had predicted the lions and the chiefs how are you feeling having one of those two teams advance here to the super bowl well not great really because i mean it should have been both right colin it should have been both and to have the lions look so good and to execute their game plan so well in the first half against the 49ers and then really have some unfortunate plays to give the game away in the second, I don't know. I, I was hoping for this dream Chiefs Lions Super Bowl where I didn't have to have any nerves because either way, I'm happy with who wins. I mean, obviously, I'd still be leaning a little bit in favor of the Chiefs, but that would be very much offset by the fact that I mean, you'd love to see someone else win the game here. And even to the point where I wasn't that nervous yesterday with the Ravens because. They're a fantastic team. I think that they, I mean, quote, deserve it. People don't deserve things. But when you do get some great work, you have some great talent, you have some amazing players. You have Lamar Jackson, the presumed MVP. You've got an all-time great defense. And it's probably not quite to that level, but certainly an impact defense. A well-rounded team like this Baltimore squad playing at home after what they accomplished during the season in an AFC North where – I don't think that you can really point to any of the other three teams as sort of plus playoff teams, but it was the most competitive division in football, despite the quarterback issues that some of those other teams have their coaching staffs, the roster top to bottom. I mean, this was an impressive accomplishment by the Ravens to get here and do what they had done. And so you're thinking if they go out and look fantastic in the AFC championship game, then certainly you're going to be okay with that. 
just as a fan of football in general. Unfortunately for them, they didn't have that kind of game. And so if you don't play well, then you don't advance. It's a little bit more difficult in the Lions situation because as an underdog, if you go out there and play perfectly and dominate the game, execute everything that you need to do, you have the 49ers again coming out flat, Brock Purdy looking very poor. The vaunted 49ers defense really in full-blown collapse mode at this point. It'll be interesting to see how the Super Bowl transpires when at this point, I mean, the Chiefs defense is far better than the 49ers defense. And so will Brock Purdy and the 49ers have enough answers? We saw the benefit of their multifaceted offense, especially in the second half as they come roaring back. They are going to be able to score points. The Super Bowl should be more exciting than the AFC Championship game where the Chiefs put this one in neutral or almost reverse very early on and just said, you know, we don't think that Lamar Jackson and this group of receivers can beat us, and they couldn't. But, I mean, you want, if Kansas City wins another title, for them to do it by accomplishing something other than handing off to Isaiah Pacheco and Neely in the second half of the Super Bowl. I think the 49ers will be able to force that, and yet, I mean, this is a game where the Lions should be in the Super Bowl. And as a big Lions fan, as someone who played Lions Chiefs in playoff contests, and Colin, we had some fun with our bold predictions at, at several times in the season, but certainly some preseason takes there where we predicted a Lions Chiefs Super Bowl to have them be on the brink and make those second half mistakes. Yeah, I've been a little bit of a funk overnight, you know, trying to to get going this morning because I, I, mean, I thought they had it. I thought they had it. I thought we were going to see Chiefs Lions. I think that would be a more fun Super Bowl than Chiefs 49ers. Yeah, it would be quite incredible too. I mean, the opening game of the NFL season followed up with the you know, closing game of the NFL season in the Super Bowl. Sean, you mentioned the predictions. We had a number of listeners reach out, but uh, D- David Phillippe, who's been on the show previously, he put on the groundwork and went onto YouTube, found the episode, found the clip. And this is from the 9th of September. So that opening week of the season, he says, who else but at FF underscore contrarian called the Chiefs Lions Super Bowl. He does have a, a running tread under the message that he sent me on Twitter, Sean. He was living the moment through that second half as he as he updated it. But here's one I thought would be fun for the, the listeners to hear. The Chiefs are going to fend off this just furious onslaught from the Ravens, the Bengals, the Bills in the postseason. They're going to make it again. We're going to get Jamison Williams finally deciding to turn his professional career around and the Lions making a push down the stretch. They win the NFC North. They go in as underdogs, but they pull off what the Bengals did a couple of years ago. They upset the 49ers. They upset the Philadelphia Eagles, the team they played well against. Last season, we get a 60-yard touchdown pass to Williams on one of the final plays, the final drive, as teams are trying to stop Gibbs, the the team in this question would be the Eagles. They're trying to stop Gibbs. They're trying to stop Laporta over the middle. They're bracketing Amon Ra. They lose Williams deep. Jerry Goff to his second Super Bowl, where they do fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Sean, the prediction was the Chiefs beating the Lions and the Super Bowl. 
a couple of things in there. The it was the uh, 49ers they faced in the NFC Championship. The Eagles we kind of thought were still going to be in the mix there as well, but a lot of stuff around Jamison Williams in particular that stood out because you mentioned a 60-yard pass to Jamison Williams. That wasn't the case in this match. It was a 42-yard rushing touchdown that he takes in on a an end around. We also have him getting in the end zone very late as they surge down the stretch to try and get this game back to a level terms but that wasn't to be so two touchdowns for Jamison Williams in this one he's somebody who I think we should talk about because you know you mentioned in that clip basically you know he finds a chance to resurrect his career and there has been flashes this season again we've had him you know another season removed from his injury this is another step in the right direction but the one question I guess then we lead into is how crowded this offense has now become Jameer Gibbs again <laughs> every time he touches the ball Sean it's a, a lot of fun we talked a lot about him but gets in the end zone again showing that impressive kind of acceler you know the acceleration level to get to top speed super quickly and then Sam Laporta who again we were terrified that was going to miss a lot of time a couple of weeks ago he gets 13 targets in this nine receptions 97 yards I'm on Russell Brown the 11 for seven receptions 87 yards an interesting game which would have been looked at obviously very very differently if we have the lions hanging on you know with a 17 point halftime lead the second half went as as unfortunate probably as it could have possibly went and uh i think it doesn't take away from the fact that like i tried to talk about with the packers last week you know a really successful season from where the expectations were at the start of the year this lions team having one of the greatest seasons in franchise history um you know is is obviously not feeling as special today for detroit lions fans but is a, a real big step in the right direction and i think they're opening the season next year the packers will be in the mix too but they are going to be the favorites again to go for the nfc north so the the thing again similarities lots of young players starting to ascend on this roster too how how are you feeling i guess not about the team for next season how are you feeling about the likes of a jameson williams showing the flashes here now that we see that sam laporta should be 100 healthy for the start of next season and how this team grows as a fantasy asset with the likes of gibbs in there as well yeah so much of it is going to come down to whether jameson williams really can emerge and give him that third star i mean jerry goff played well in this game we have all of the uh, not just narrative but the <laughs> facts that he has been a very different quarterback in the dome than he has been on the road and yet he did what they needed him to do in this game there were some missed throws in the second half that if he hits those perfectly it's a different story even with some of the mistakes that they made and yet the full picture here is that he did his job. And I mean, you think about the Chiefs game, you think about this particular game here, and we've kind of joked that anytime the MVS makes a catch, the Chiefs are going to win. I think you could add <laughs> the little additional asterisk of anytime that neither McCole Hardman nor Kadarius Tony are involved in the game plan, the Chiefs are going to win. But my We're question, not talking about the Chiefs because- just yet, Sean, but uh there's quite a few people, including Zachary Kruger, who when you know those players were ruled out and there was updates, you know, they were touting how big of a boost that is to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
it's it's a pretty big boost having the players make huge crushing mistakes and to do that consistently is i mean it's pretty catastrophic for you and so my question is at what point and why did josh reynolds become marquez valdez scantling in this game i mean josh reynolds lost this game you have to catch the fourth down play you have to catch the third down play those are arguably the two biggest passes in this entire game the fourth down catch a difficult catch even though the ball i believe is basically thrown where it needs to be thrown and the receiver has to go down and catch that it's on both hands you've got to pull the ball in. the third down drop was absolutely backbreaking and i mean again in a game like this you can't afford to have a receiver make those mistakes now reynolds has had a good year and it's a really unfortunate way for him to finish his campaign because he's been that additional kind of safety valve for the lions and as someone who's rarely going to get the praise for doing his role correctly it's just unfortunate that he becomes the player who loses this game for detroit but we do need to have that third player right so we have the 13 targets for laporta the 11 for amon ross st brown one of the big keys in this game was who's going to be able to dominate the middle of the field when the lions had the ball in the passing game those 14 targets or i should say i'm sorry 24 targets combined they're able to catch the 16 you have big yardage totals from them they move the ball up and down the field the lions win there so then it's where is that additional threat that we can keep from being able to key on those top two targets but also get ben johnson and you assume that he's going to go and be the coach for the washington commanders it'll be interesting to see how the lions fill that position you would think that they'll have their pick and again kind of within the context of the fact that so much of the hiring has already occurred right but if you are an up-and-coming play caller then i mean where do you want to be other than in the dome with the lions where you have all of these playmakers one of the problems that the Lions had in the second half of games that they lost was just getting too comfortable and too content to run David Montgomery into the line on first down, especially when the opposing defense has seen a lot of that already and knows what they have to do to adjust, right? The Lions, through a big chunk of this game, are able to run the ball right down the 49ers' throat, but... As the game turns and as the 49ers are selling out more to stop that play and force Detroit into more difficult down and distance situations, you have to have answers other than just doing the same thing that you've done early, right? You've got to be able to make some moves to counteract what Kyle Shanahan and his staff are doing. I don't feel like Ben Johnson has done that particularly well as we go through the season and we look at some of the biggest losses that Detroit has had. Has he been able to set up a game plan and execute a game plan through the first half, maybe the first 60, 70% of games that is just absolutely electric and, you know, unstoppable in that you can run the ball down teams throats. And then you have the play action game, but also just those strikes to Amon Ra and Amon Ra, I think gets covered up in this game a little bit. Seven for 87. It's not one of his huge games. There are so many other storylines, but he was absolutely fantastic. And several times catching the ball short of the sticks, making multiple guys miss, getting across. I mean, you've got big-time playmakers. I mean, you can't get to the halftime dominating this game and then 
struggle as much as they struggled on offense in the second half. Again, Ben Johnson, and again, we expect that to be with the Commanders next year, not still with the Lions, but he needs to evolve in that area and get better. I assume that he will. Column Jameson Williams. He's the guy who can be the third piece, the vertical piece. Now, we know that that's the area where Jared Goff struggles. He's not going to throw that deep ball particularly well. The third target in this game, and Williams catches the two, right? But the third target in this game is one into the end zone over the defense. He's being, he's jockeying with multiple 49ers defenders and doesn't get a clean look at the ball or the ability to really get his hands in the right spot. It would have been great to see whether or not he makes that play if he's able to get his hands there a little bit more cleanly. That was a play, again, that if they make it, if Jamison Williams can get the job done, it changes the game. But somebody with that speed and very, very few players in the NFL actually execute that 42-yard touchdown as a touchdown as opposed to just, say, a 13, 14-yard gain. If he can do it, and there are certainly reasons to believe in both directions. He's looked better. Someone who was really going to be a star would be doing it at this point already in the vast majority of cases when we think about the trajectory of young players currently in the NFL. But there's not a third target in this offense, certainly not a third volume target. If he can be that guy in 2024, it'll change the Lions offense, and obviously it'll be very relevant for fantasy football. Williams is again going to be one of those picks that is difficult when you start to get in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 round range and yet, if you hit on it, it's going to be league winning. When you miss on it, then you're thinking, that's a hole in my roster I wish I didn't have. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking at the 49ers, Sean, there was, and I, I felt like in the first half, there was quite a bit, you know, if, if we call it luck, good fortune, whatever we want to term it, falling in the way off the, the Lions. But I felt like in the second half that that pendulum swung dramatically. And that there was probably topped off by the 
51 yard reception that we've seen to Brandon Ayuk in this game where it hits the defender's face mask he comes up with it a spectacular play a highlight play but you know another real swing in the the fortunes of the 49ers to be able to get this the ball down then just into the five yard line they're able to get it into the end zone but a little bit of inefficiency in the targets to Ayuk in this eight targets just the three receptions for 68 and one touchdown including that 51 yarder we get nine targets to Debo Samuel but this was a game where they kind of tried to I think limit the the passing game a little you mentioned some of Brock Purdy's struggles he has 31 pass attempts 20 completions 267 one touchdown one interception which it could have been a real backbreaker of an interception but they obviously they come back and get the job done I thought that overall in this outside of a couple of major plays and the turnovers I think the Lions defense stepped up and, and outperformed what I thought they would do in the passing game and you know we're talking about outside of that 51 yard completion you know there's a 26 yard a 28 yard a 23 yard and a 28 yard to go to to George Kittle and a lot of those plays including you know Kyle Uchek has a, a 23 yard completion a lot of these you know really broken plays where it's last chance for Brock Purdy to throw the ball and he, he does make plays on those plays but you know it's very hard in those situations to keep everyone covered for that duration of time and then the the offensive player still makes a, a big time play it's two weeks in a row where we've seen the 49ers almost lose to the Packers where they probably should have lost to the Packers almost lose to the Detroit Lions where they probably should have lost to the Detroit Lions they now are heading on to the Super Bowl to face the Kansas City Chiefs a team with a vast amount more experience in these situations than the Lions or the Packers where it feels like if this happens again I feel like they're they're not getting back into the mix the way they have the last two weeks you mentioned starting flat it's especially playing at home it's just something that cannot happen in the the Super Bowl against the Chiefs yeah and you would expect even though the 49ers have been the better team through the course of the season you would expect the Chiefs would be favored in this game with the significant differences in how they've played down the stretch the significant differences at the quarterback position you can argue now the differences on defense the 49ers have a lot more offensive skill position talent and that's the case even with travis kelsey having sort of a a throwback performance in the afc championship game and that's a throwback to not that long ago but certainly over the second half of 2023 he started to look not washed up but someone who might be entering a different phase let's say that wasn't the case in the championship game. If he can play like that, then the Chiefs have the chance to run away with this. I think that we'll see a different 49ers team. And I think that the second half for Brock Purdy is going to get him back to where he was during the season, where again, at, at many points in time, he looked like maybe even almost the unanimous MVP. And it was interesting here because if you came into conference championship weekend not really following the NFL and then watched these games, you could be forgiven for sort of mixing Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson or mistaking them for the other because it was Purdy's scrambling ability that really changed this game. You think about some of the highlight plays, his ability to throw across his body, Juwan Jennings. Now, Jennings only has the one catch in this game for eight yards, and yet it was a huge play, right? And so for Jennings to do that and to come through a couple of different weeks now when his team needed him for Purdy to make the throws when he needed to make them. I think both of those plays have gone to Jennings as well yeah. or, and those high yeah. leverage and in, situations. 
In each case, the catch followed up the throw in a very impressive fashion. And we know Jennings isn't going to give you play in and play out the explosiveness, the playmaking ability that you need to make this offense work. But for him to have made the two plays that were given to him as opportunities for a role player, again, that's what you want. It's kind of the extreme opposite of what the Lions got from Josh Reynolds in this particular game. But to have Debo back, have him looking good, breaking a lot of tackles, generating a lot of yards after the catch. Ayuk, a quiet game except for that big play, right? And Ayuk has not looked good in the postseason. But the body control, the concentration, the understanding of the play is not over. I mean, the Lions defender is there. The safety is there. I'm going to say he should make that catch because obviously it's going to be a very difficult play. The ball gets onto his body, <laughs> gets into his face mask, bounces off there. It's a very lucky bounce for the 49ers. As you mentioned, there were some lucky plays here in the second half. But when you get that luck, you have to be able to execute it. We see all the time where quarterbacks make bad throws because of pressure and the secondary players aren't able to make the catch, aren't able to make the backbreaking interception. And I mean, this is an offensive player, right? But when you have the chance to make a play that completely changes the game, and the luck is in your favor, you still have to execute and get the job done. This was a play that certainly if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, will go down in 49ers history with you know, some of the greats from back in the Steve Young, Joe Montana type of era. And it should because it's that cool of a play. So that was awesome to see. Then the other big play that kills the Lions in this game, Jameer Gibbs, he looked so explosive early. He gets to the edge a couple of different times, converts some first downs. He looks great on the touchdown run, but they started to bottle him up a little bit. And then when he fumbles following that 49ers touchdown, that was you know, one of the most massive momentum swings you will ever see there. The Lions needed to take that ball. Ben Johnson needed to call some plays to get them back down the field in the end zone, gap that. 49ers team again get the lead back instead you have the fumble and Colin one of the things that we saw here and, and obviously when it happens you can look at it you know and make this claim but I was concerned because of the way he was carrying the ball earlier in the game you have the tackling in championship weekend was very aggressive I thought in the NFC game it was very clean i thought on the afc side you had significant loss of composure from the ravens on a bunch of different plays where i mean you can only play to the whistle right and so with how the 49ers were hitting in that second half and the way gibbs was carrying the ball i was worried about a fumble you get the fumble and that's again those are the three plays i mean the reynolds drops the gibbs fumble you go through this game you go through a full season you have all of those plays you go through a game like this, you get the big lead, you have a lot of individual plays, but you can't have three plays like that where you blow the game. And people, I mean, there's obviously going to be discussion of the times that the Detroit Lions decide to go for it. I think you could make an argument, certainly the second time, that that's a good spot to kick a field goal, get some points there and change kind of the way the dynamic at the end works if the 49ers go down and score on you again. But Dan Campbell, in no way, shape, or form, lost this game. And the aggressiveness that he has demonstrated throughout the course of the season has been key to getting the Lions where they are. It's one of the reasons that they are an extremely high-scoring team with Jared Goff as the QB. It's one of the reasons why whoever is the offensive coordinator next year is going to have a lot that he can work with and a lot of flexibility and options on those third-down play calls. 
I love what Dan Campbell did. He was not the problem. The players have to execute on those three plays. And then you look on the 49ers side of it and you look at Brock Purdy, who struggled against the Packers, struggled in the first half of this game. His combination of playmaking and scrambling in the second half was brilliant. And you think about the other huge play in this game where the Lions on that final 49ers drive have actually gotten some sacks. They're getting pressure on him. We know that Aaron Glenn likes to attack. One of the things that we talked about in our preview last week is that overall the Lions are not a good defense, but they can put pressure on the quarterback. And beyond those mistake plays from the Detroit offensive players, the key play in this game was the third and four at the Detroit 49 late in the game. They have the pressure. They look like they're going to get him. He scrambles out of it and goes for 21 yards. That was the play that more or less ended the game right there. Colin Brock Purdy, he wanted to get back out on the field after that Packers game. He does that. He plays a poor first half. You're going to, facing a full offseason of – and you think about some of these teams that have the big changes. You think about the Eagles and what they went through, where they go from being the best team in football to somebody who now there are questions about everything that they do, Right. Brock Purdy can go from the MVP to questions about if he's actually the future in San Francisco, if he plays a poor game against the Packers and then loses to Detroit. I mean, the Lions are good. The Lions did a lot of great things. The Lions, I think, have a better future than the 49ers. But this is a game, if you're the 49ers, you absolutely have to win, right? You can imagine what he would go through this offseason if he doesn't come out and have a sensational second half, and he did. And so just as we think about these players as people, we think about the fun storylines, you know, you think about what the narratives are going to be for all time here for him to have turned that around and had such a, a, again, brilliant second half when so much of it was dependent upon him freelancing. You hear all the time, oh, you know, Brock Purdy and things that we have said because they're true. Right, Brock Purdy playing in an offense where you have all of these playmakers playing in an offense where you have one of the NFL's best all-time play callers. Although, you know, some of the things that the 49ers have done and struggled with in the playoffs, I think that, I mean, you can call that into question a little bit. Brock Purdy made the plays himself in this game as opposed to being a product of other guys. You love that for him. It makes it, I mean, it's always been a great story, but it makes it an even better story now he deserved to win this game with what he did. And it's, it's just, it's incredible. I, I love to see it, even though, I mean, obviously I was rooting hard the other way. And so Colin, just thinking about what he's done has kind of gotten me excited about this again and, you know, helps overcome <laughs> all the sadness with the Lions lost because I mean, Brock Purdy was the real deal in this game. It was so cool to see. Yeah, different circumstances, it would be more enjoyable. Uh, I'm sure is what you're kind of thinking there, but it is uh, great to see the way, like, you mentioned some of the stuff in terms of like is he a game manager is he a, uh, a game changer kind of thing but the one thing about him in these situations when you're faced with adversity and you really look like you're in big trouble at halftime sometimes the easiest thing to do in that situation is just crumble and uh, he definitely didn't do that and he came back into it on the other side sean i don't know if we'll say they crumbled but the baltimore ravens did nothing really uh the kansas city chiefs didn't do a lot in the second half either but we have a 17 10 win for the chiefs on the road who started off this game very hot so it starts off 
touchdown 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 kind of early in the game we're getting three back-to-back touchdown drives it is 17 10 17-7 sorry at halftime uh, they're the ravens putting up that late field goal to try and give themselves an opportunity then to tie it with the touchdown but this felt very very comfortable from the early portion and it really felt like the chiefs defense like we talked about in the pregame really locked down everything about the offense in terms of the passing game for the ravens and one part of it that you know i think where the ravens got this really really wrong is we often talk about you know this team wanting maybe to run it even to their detriment but in this one we get 37 pass attempts for lamar jackson to the 16 total team rush attempts eight rush attempts for lamar going for 54 yards the rest spread throughout you know gus edwards a flowers justice hill but jackson 272 passing yards off those 37 attempts completing just 20 one touchdown one interception bad bad interception heading into the red zone as he looks to isaiah likely and, and gets picked off uh takes four sacks as well but they really didn't do a lot we get zay flowers breaking a 54 yard touchdown in this one or 54 yard long in this he also gets the the deep touchdown five for 115 for him which is obviously impressive but outside of that the next highest is not snaggler or 39 receiving yards the, the chiefs defense has just you know we talked about it and we hinted at it and we thought it might happen but like over the last you know six weeks they have just rounded into such a tremendous defense where some teams may have peaked too early in the season we talked about the eagles we talked about the dolphins at a point even the baltimore ravens for example but this kansas city chiefs team feels like it's peaking right now right as we enter the super bowl so andy reed and, and the chiefs have done a fantastic job before we get to the Chiefs side of things uh, this one has to be a little bit tough for the the ravens to deal with this morning as they look at a situation where they had home field advantage and you know after that first quarter just struggled so much in offense but i think the big talking point is going to be the play calling situation and and how heavily they went towards the pass with how little success they had with it the other point i suppose to mention is we do have the you know fumble down at the the goal line for say flowers which results in a touchback which obviously changes the game dramatically if that's one more foot in a, a different direction um we also have lamar jackson with a fumble and there's a couple of you know along with that interception plays that really although we're going to look here at the, the ravens and what they did wrong if those things didn't happen they are really pushing the chiefs here in this one but i, I felt like the chiefs could have pushed on in the second half if they if they needed to yeah it's a weird game in which i mean just as a fan of football in general you prefer the chiefs not get so conservative in the second half it does give you a feel for how confident they are in this defense now when you're facing a lamar jackson led team and you know, teams make mistakes with this all the time and get too conservative. Just because it worked doesn't mean it was the right choice. Just because you were confident in your defense doesn't mean that you should have been that confident. And yet to basically make zero attempt to score in the second half and still win fairly comfortably. And we talked about how perhaps this is the best Kansas City Chiefs team. Now, I think it's hard to make that claim when they show so little confidence. I mean, the other side of it is just it's not showing a lot of confidence in your offense, <laughs> right? And even after you've done those things you did in the first half where you have Kelsey and Rice and Pacheco 
all working that you don't really want to go after it in the second. I mean, Andy Reid, as we all know, has never been the guy that you point to for managing the game, perhaps the second half of games, to maximize the chance for victory. That's not his skill set. He is a great leader, and he's arguably the best play caller in NFL history. So you can have some weaknesses when you have those things as your strengths. But you look at this game, and the shortness of the drives contrasted with the way this season has played out globally is pretty interesting. You have the Chiefs up 17-7 to at halftime, and they come out, they hand off to Isaiah Pacheco on first and 10. That's a three and out. The Ravens respond with a three and out. The Chiefs come out on the next drive and actually throw on first down. They're able to get a couple of firsts, end up punting. It's an eight-play drive. Seven plays and punt for the Ravens. The Chiefs get the ball back, hand off to Isaiah Pacheco on first down. That's obviously a three and out. You come back, and this is where you have the drive where the Ravens demonstrate some explosiveness, but we get the fumble from Zay Flowers. And this is one that was very similar to the situation with Jameer Gibbs, where Flowers is a guy where the run after catch is extremely impressive. We know that in the first several games of the season, they were throwing to him at or behind the line of scrimmage repeatedly and then letting him run. And, you know, there were some mixed results for that. In order for this Ravens offense to be effective, you've got to use the vertical ability of Lamar Jackson. And they got that on the touchdown early to Zay Flowers. They got it on the 54-yard play earlier in this drive. But one of the things that stood out is just the Flowers is being a little bit reckless with the ball. Now, his fumble at the goal line is not necessarily recklessness but the attempt to get the ball across a little bit like we talked about on the ceiling bananas pod last week i mean the goal line is the key everything comes down to that and whether or not you score the touchdown get a field goal or in the case of the hardman fumble last week or the flowers fumble in this game whether or not you lose the ball just short and get zero points it was an extraordinary defensive play by lecherius sneed Again, the the loss of composure sort of consistently throughout by the Baltimore defense and then the loss of composure for Flowers here after he got the 54 yards. And this is one where, I mean, it was taunting in like three different ways. And so the officials don't want to call that, right? You just made a huge play. It's the AFC Championship game. If you give them an out, they're going to let that go. But you can't, again, break the rules in a variety of ways and expect not to get called for taunting there. It made it a more difficult touchdown. He does get stopped just short. Zay Flowers is going to be a spectacular player in this league. He was a fantastic rookie. He was the guy who showed up for the Ravens in this game. You just need the guys who show up to also be the guys who have a little bit of composure. You feel really bad for him. Because, again, if they do score here, then Kansas City is going to be forced to do something. <laughs> and I think in in some ways we would have all loved to have seen that, right? And what's Kansas City going to do? They come back out, get a first down, do end up punting again, which they can do since they're down 17 to 7. Then you have the final long drive from the Ravens, which ends in that bad interception. The story here and the story that we've gotten from the Bills as well and Josh Allen is where is that mix between aggressiveness and rashness? 
where is the mix between aggressiveness and being able to execute against elite defenses in big moments? And part of what's happened for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes through these last five years is they've been a lucky team, right? You're not going to get to that many Super Bowls without some of the things that could have gone either way falling in your favor. But it's also, again, the difference that we have, at least at this point, with Patrick Mahomes. I think that all of us would love to see some of these other quarterbacks from the AFC side come through. We got that with Joe Burrow. I think that one of the things that was so interesting this season is that everything about the Bengals ended up being disappointing, and yet their offensive coordinator gets a head coaching job. And so, again, does that adjust for how much talent that you're working with? That one was odd to me. That's not to say that he won't go and be fantastic. There are a lot of people talking about Jake Browning and what they managed to do at the end of the season, manufacturing some points, manufacturing some drives. But we know that the Bengals can make it through with Joe Burrow. And it's one of these things where for the good and the bad, it's the actual results that will matter in sports and whether or not you're able to get to that point and win these championship games on the championship weekend that determines you know what your legacy is going to be as a star quarterback for Burrow, obviously he still needs to go and win that was one of the things that was going to be so interesting for jared goff i mean here's the guy where i mean everybody believes him to be a below average quarterback and yet he was going to lead two separate explosive offenses to the super bowl And so when we're talking about Jared Goff in contrast to Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, certainly a case where you look at the overall body of work and you can't make a compelling argument for him being in that class. And yet some of the things that he's done, I think are undervalued, understated by the NFL community. I expect the Ravens to come back from this and have a fantastic season again in 2024. But some of the things that they did on offense that worked at times this year always felt unsustainable. You talk about the decision not to run the ball. And it really stands out when you think about what the strengths and weaknesses are for specifically the Kansas City Chiefs defense, where we know that their pass defense is fantastic. Their run defense occasionally springs some leaks. There was nothing about the running plays that Baltimore did have in this game that led you to believe that running the ball more was going to be effective. But, you know, we just don't know because they didn't try it. And one of the problems is just that if Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are your backs, then you're not going to feel that incentive to run the ball. And so certainly the injuries to J.K. Dobbins and Keaton Mitchell, I think, hurt them in that capacity. If they have a game breaker, then maybe this entire game plan is different. But you look at the Chiefs and some of their weaknesses on offense and what they've struggled with this year. You look at the Baltimore Ravens on their side, and they have a Zay Flowers, and that gets you more than what some teams have, right? So it's not like they're out there with nothing. But it's certainly with Mark Andrews fighting to come back from a serious injury, not going to be a game-changing force in this particular contest. You look at Nelson Aguilar as the guy with the second most yards and starts the game off with a drop-ish play where, you know, right from the beginning, you have the ball, you don't score, Kansas City does and does score. (laughs) I've given Josh Reynolds 
a lot of trouble. We can't necessarily let Aguilar go just because it was on that first drive. I mean, the first drive set the stage for everything that happened in this game. But when he's up there, when Odell Beckham gets six targets and they're very, very low value, when Rashad Bateman continues his disappointing season, the fact that Beckham and Bateman aren't really able to accomplish anything, don't threaten defenses. The Ravens are short a skill position player on this offense for being where they really want to be. And so when we think about Lamar Jackson and the mistakes he made in this game, the sacks that he took, the big interception that he threw, the fumble when he doesn't sense the pressure from the backside, all of those things are true. And yet he didn't create the Flowers fumble and he didn't put together this group of wide receivers that doesn't offer him enough because he can run, because he can get out there and go for 100 like he did a week ago, go for 54 in this game, we tend to think, okay, well, you know, that's that's not what he needs, but that's not fair to him, right? You give him more weapons and you're not going to have some of these mistakes. So I think when we make excuses for some of these other quarterbacks, we talk about all the weapons that Brock Purdy has. When we look at Lamar Jackson and how he's flamed out in some of these big contests, it's incumbent upon the Baltimore Ravens front offense to give him more weapons to get the job done so that you're not sitting here next year in Baltimore saying the same thing. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, and the, and like the talent, I know Odell Beckham obviously had a historic start to his career, but has been past it for quite some time and has been, you know, if you're being kind, has been inconsistent at best over the last number of seasons. Um, obviously two very talented tight ends, but as you mentioned, Sean Bateman, has struggled all season whether that's the injury related whether that's just performance or talent related at this point you know Aguilar as well there just isn't the the talent there it's to the tight ends and and flowers as you mentioned and the two running backs uh missing out obviously the whole season for Dobbins and the majority of the season the I do think there's just a massive difference there from what they were able to do in this run game but I do think the run game was a decision prior to this match it obviously wasn't game script dependent because it never got out of hand to the situation where they would have to be passing it 37 times but sean on the other side very efficient very comfortable as we talked about patrick mahomes 39 pass attempts 30 completions 241 yards one touchdown doesn't have to do anything extremely spectacular in this one pacheco obviously we'll 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 let him say sean that it was that they didn't need to score but average 2.8 yards per carry in this 24 for 68 but does get in the end zone which on the talking point here is is travis kelsey we we get rishi rice in this nine targets eight receptions and 46 yards so very low value receptions in terms of the yardage but again they're just trying to to work through the the game at that particular point it felt like but 
we get Kelsey 11 targets 11 receptions 116 yards and a touchdown massive two weeks for him here in the postseason as no question speculation around how, how much his performance has dropped off and I, I do think there's definitely a drop off but stepped up here and massive massive moments over the last two weeks with his performance in this one Sean he now leads all receivers in NFL history in the postseason in receptions he does trail the man that he overtook in the reception side of things Jerry Rice in yards in the playoffs he has 1600 almost 1700 yards Sean side end for Travis Kelsey 1694 yards in the playoffs but he is trailing Jerry Rice who has 2245 yards touchdowns though Sean Kelsey 19 touchdowns in the postseason now Jerry Rice 22 and, and the reason I'm going through this is it's just putting you to the point of how much Travis Kelsey has done and his career and a lot of that coming obviously paired with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid but he steps up here and you know if they go on to win the Super Bowl it's going to be another you know goat all-time great gets thrown out there too much but when you're overtaking Jerry Rice Sean for an NFL leader and in, in these postseason stats uh, I think that's fair he, he also I believe now has the most touchdowns in AFC championship games as well so you know you're, you're comparing that to somebody like Rob Gronkowski who has been in the AFC championship games on a multitude of occasions has won the Super Bowls Kelsey this is just truly special Colm, I talked a little bit about the luck the Chiefs have had in these AFC Championship games to get through the elite quarterbacks on the AFC side. And yet, mostly what we're dealing with here is the extraordinary work of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. And, I mean, you look at what Kelsey has done, it is pretty unreal. You look at what Reid and Mahomes were able to do with the scripted plays on these first couple of drives. And there's no luck there right when you can come out and you can beat the best defense in the nfl and you essentially out coach and that's not in any way to take any shots at the baltimore ravens and their coach mcdonald who we assume is going to go on and be a head coach as well and very justifiably so but you make it through these championship games because your coach and quarterback combination are able to either win at the big minutes in the big minutes in the big moments at the end or they're able to execute so flawlessly early that they give you the lead that then creates the entire context for the game and so you look at the overall lines for the chiefs on offense and they're fairly pedestrian when you look at these first two drives you have a, a total here for the chiefs where they're eight for 18 on third down and that's a stark contrast to the ravens who are three for 11 again you've got to be able to extend these drives it was something the baltimore ravens weren't able to do at any point throughout the course of this game the chiefs essentially didn't try later but the first two drives the 10 play touchdown drive and the 16 play touchdown drive the first one when they get a third down they don't execute but andy reed kind of thwarts his tendencies and decides to go for it on this fourth and two you love to see that I, as soon as they decided to go like the chiefs are going to win this game you certainly feel that after travis kelsey makes a sensational reception to extend that drive and then you look at the second drive again a 16 play drive where they convert 
on a third and one at their own 47. They convert on a third and four at the Baltimore 41. They convert on a third and five at the Baltimore 27. They convert on a third and three at the Baltimore 10. They made the plays on the big moments on the third downs where the Ravens have to get them off the field. The Chiefs have to score touchdowns instead of field goals. They get out to that 14 to seven lead and then they're able to get the fumble from Jackson. That's the spot there where you actually think the Chiefs should completely put this game away, but they do go for another fourth down on the subsequent drive. And I think one of the areas that the Chiefs do struggle when we're thinking about not necessarily the results to this point, but the types of plays that you can call in the big moments because Patrick Mahomes has been injured on quarterback sneaks in the past because Isaiah Pacheco is a pretty mediocre running back. I don't really like the options that the Chiefs have on a fourth and very short. I mean, this is a play where the quarterback just needs to take the ball from the center, lunge forward for six inches, and then you're golden. You go down and score a touchdown, you're up 21 to seven. You know, that doesn't mean that you're going to win. Obviously, the Lions were able to blow that lead. Sometimes when you have the huge lead, it can become difficult to manage the game from that point, and some choke action does sort of leak in anyway the baltimore ravens make the big stop they keep this game close and from column from that point it was a slugfest the play i think you were mentioning the setup that fourth down was a pass as well to travis kelsey that looked like it was potentially a first down on replay later since you know the fourth down and everything failed it looked like it probably was just short with his knee but again we've talked in the past about when there's like you know a player who it looks like he's broken the goal line playing you know challenge for it you know it is a touchdown let's just do the challenge um in this situation the chiefs rush up on that fourth down play and you know rush the play as well i think that was also a bad decision you know take your time like there's no need to go to the quickness of the snap there when you haven't got the first down but obviously they don't want to allow substitutions and so on but i, I thought that was a really bad decision I didn't think the fourth down uh, to go for it in fourth down was a bad decision, but I thought the way they went about it and the play call was not good. Yeah, and when you're missing your all-pro left guard, it's also going to shift things around a little bit in terms of how comfortable and how confident you are calling certain plays that are having a power element up the middle where you're relying on that guard to to move some guys around now we know that what the chiefs do extremely successfully from an offensive line perspective is protection from the interior three we know that their tackles struggle a lot more but that patrick mahomes is elite in terms of mitigating the rush himself i think that when you have that injury on the offensive line for the chiefs and when you have this baltimore ravens defense the fear that you have as a Chiefs fan going in is that, that this game is going to look like the Tampa Bay Super Bowl where the injuries the Chiefs had sustained on the offensive line going into that game didn't make it impossible I mean there were plays to be made there was a play that if Tyreek Hill makes it then they're in that game you certainly think back to some of the things that Tyreek Hill has done with the Dolphins and are like you know if he makes some plays in the Super Bowl then we maybe even look at this Chiefs team in a different light which I mean it'd be hard to give them more credit or look at them as a more powerful unit than they already are but 
again, when you look at this game, the Chiefs' ability to minimize pressure, especially early, and to deal with some of the things that you thought Baltimore would be able to do to them from a pass rush perspective, I think that you've got to give the overall scheme credit, the replacement players credit. I think that you've got to give Mahomes credit. We did get some of those penalties on the right tackle there who tends to be uh, a very heavily penalized player in the chiefs offense but the big picture was that they were able to convert on these third downs it wasn't a game like that tampa bay super bowl they did what they had to do the execution fantastic from these offensive linemen and call sometimes that can be a part of the game that gets covered up a little bit the chiefs did what they needed again other than getting the push on this fourth and one where i mean pacheco is a guy who if the play isn't there he's not going to make it and the play wasn't there play the play wasn't there but they did get the win and that's really all that matters as they advance to the super bowl we are going to have more content coming your way later this week as always as i say in the off season make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed you'll get all the shows once they are up and available sometimes they'll be shows earlier in the week that are bonuses sometimes they'll be later in the week so just make sure you are subscribed you get them all once they are available the show later this week may be a later one it might be two editions this week and then we'll wrap it up again heading into super bowl week but we'll see again subscribe you'll know when the shows go live my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over tomorrow my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.